0: Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and today we're continuing through the book of Luke. Just as the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist's birth, was announced by the angel Gabriel, so too will the announcement of Jesus' birth. With every detail laid in an orderly fashion, Luke recounts the story of Christ's birth announcement. As a doctor, Luke understood the physical impossibility of a virgin conceiving a child, yet he opens himself undoubtedly to criticism as he conducts his research and proves the veracity of the claims. Some have suggested that Luke interviewed Mary herself in his recording of his gospel. I believe there is strong evidence of that, given that Luke knew things of Jesus' birth and only Mary or her cousin, whom we have to assume was dead by the point that Luke wrote the book, Elizabeth would have known truly is a riveting narrative with many applications to take to heart but the big picture is this and I want you to write it down plain and straight on your notes with God nothing will be impossible and by nothing I mean absolutely nothing zip nada not a thing is impossible for our mighty God you know so many times in life we face circumstances that we feel are impossible or at least extremely difficult However, we serve the only true God, and He is able to do what no one else can. He can suspend the very laws of nature, should He deem it necessary, for He is omnipotent. All-powerful is what that word means, and you need to know it, and don't ever forget it. So should you face a circumstance that seems impossible, extremely difficult, or anywhere in between, you remember this, with God, nothing will be impossible. I want to be plain in saying this, if God can make a virgin have a baby, he can handle whatever you got going on. And so this morning, uh, we're going to continue in Luke 1, 26 through 38, picking up where we left off, as we consider the text, Christ's birth announcement, with God, nothing will be impossible. Christ's birth announcement, with God, nothing will be impossible. And so we want to look at this narrative in several scenes Scene number one, the personalities. Look at Luke 1, 26. The Bible says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And so the first thing we see here is the personalities of the text, the personalities of the text. By this, I mean the two human characters that we're introduced to. Luke writes, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city, and then he tells us who was he sent to, a virgin named Mary and her husband-to-be, Joseph. Note with me the details Luke gives. This event is six months after the announcement and conception of John the Baptist. Elizabeth is approximately six months pregnant with John, making him a little older than his cousin Jesus. Luke not only names the time, but the place. We have count, uh, so we're told the timeline about six months later, but also the place. We're in Galilee, specifically in the small town of Nazareth. Now in our state that I live in, we have counties, and in those counties we have towns. For example, we live in Ennery, which is a town in Spartanburg County, which is a county in the state of South Carolina. So think of Galilee as a county, if you will, and Nazareth as the town within the county. Once again, we see Gabriel, the angel of God, being sent to deliver a divine message to our personalities, Mary and Joseph. They were betrothed, which was the ancient Jewish engagement. Unlike our modern and Western concept, of engagement, betrothal lasted one year and was legally binding. In fact, if a, wit- if a woman who was betrothed lost her fiancé by death, she was considered a widow in the eyes of the law. We are told two things about her in short. She was a virgin, and her name was Mary. Then we were introduced to the second personality, and that is of Joseph. Joseph, as we will come to know, is a carpenter. Here we are told he is of the house and lineage of David. This is significant in this way. Because the Messiah was prophesied to come through the bloodline of David. Now you say, Pastor Joseph was not really Jesus' father. I understand that, and you're correct. But to a to a Jew to whom the virgin birth was not common knowledge, his primary concern was anyone who claimed to be the Messiah must be from the lineage of King David of the tribe of Judah. So to a Jew, it made no difference. For all legal intents and purposes, Joseph was Jesus' father, even though we know really and truly he was his stepfather, if you will, his foster father, if you must, that he wasn't truly the father of Jesus Christ. So not only the personalities, but notice with me in scene two, the proclamation the proclamation. After the personalities, we see the proclamation. Verse 28. And having come in, an angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So we see the proclamation. In our second scene, this proclamation comes from the angelic messenger whom we know to be Gabriel, and he tells her to rejoice because she's blessed. Now, what is all this about? Well, we know that it was the desire of every devout Jewish woman to be the one to birth the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. This was an honor that was desired among the religious Jewish female population in this period. It was a blessing to be chosen by the Lord. However, Mary is distressed and confused, and naturally so. Luke records she was troubled at his saying, and consider what manner of greeting this was. She was considering this event. She knew something was special, was happening, but rightly she was afraid and confused. However, the angel calms her by assuring her this is good news, that she will bear a son and name him Jesus, which is the Greek equivalent of Joshua or Yeshua in the Hebrew, and it literally means Jehovah is salvation. Now there is something of prophecy fulfillment in this proclamation Because Gabriel states, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, why did I say that that's a bit of a prophecy fulfillment in Gabriel's proclamation? Because in the Old Testament, in Psalm 132, 11 and 12, God promises something to David. He says, the Lord has sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forever. So David was promised his descendants would reign. However, this was to be fulfilled in the Messiah who would come from the lineage of David. By the way, Mary also came from the lineage of David. So Jesus was fulfilling the prophecy either way, but that's neither here nor there. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 9, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, peace there will be no end, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. And so we see the prophecy of this proclamation. He gives a proclamation. says, Mary, your son's the Messiah. The prophecy of it, he fulfilled that in that he was born in the lineage of David. But then we come to the point of the proclamation, not just its prophecy, but its point. What's the big idea? is simply this. The Messiah has come. This is the most central tenet of the gospel narrative, that the Messiah came. His name is Jesus Christ. Apart from all the details, as important as they are, the point of this proclamation to Mary was that the Messiah had come. God had kept his promise to send a Savior to Israel, and not only to Israel, but the whole world. And I want to proclaim to you basically the same message. The Messiah has come. His name is Jesus Christ, the virgin-born, sinless Son of God, very God of very God. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? And so we see the personalities of the text. We see the proclamation of the text that the Messiah had come. We saw it in its prophecy, Him fulfilling the lineage of David. We saw it in its point that He came to save. And second, thirdly, rather, We come to verses 34 and 35 and we see scene 3, the problem. So the personalities, the proclamation, and now the problem. Now every good story has a problem to be solved. In a murder mystery, they're trying to find out who done it. In a crime thriller, they're trying to catch the bad guy and so on and so on. And the Bible is a book of stories. Now they're true stories. They're historical narrative. This isn't a fairy tale. This is an historical narrative. Nevertheless, like any good narrative... There's got to be a climax. There's got to be a problem that has to be resolved by the plot. Here's the problem. Look at verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The problem is this. Virgins can't have babies. Virgins cannot have babies. We've got a problem on our hands. Mary's a virgin. Biologically, she can't get pregnant. It's figment. physically impossible. It's bad when you can't read your own notes. It defies the laws of nature. It's unscientific. It just can't happen. However, within this problem, we will see the power of God displayed. Because in verse 35, the angel responds, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Did you catch that word? power. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that our world does not operate by natural laws because it does. However, God being the sovereign creator of the universe and existing outside of time and space is able at his own discretion to temporarily suspend the laws of nature, hence the term miracle. You know, we use that term miracle rather flippantly today. If something unlikely happens, we say, it's a miracle. However, that's not the biblical definition of a miracle, my friend. A miracle is when God does something that is literally impossible, that literally can't happen, yet he does it, therefore it is a miracle. A virgin who biologically cannot have children, not unlikely, but impossible, had a baby. Explain that, okay? One word, God. So the problem is resolved by the power of God. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He wrote the laws of nature, therefore he can override them. Now there is something else to this. The word miracle comes from the Greek word semaon. And it's defined as an unusual occurrence transcending the normal course of nature. And note its biblical usage of miracles and wonders with which God authenticates the men sent by him or by which men prove that the cause they are pleading is God's. So God authenticated the divinity of Christ by causing him to be born in a way that is, naturally speaking, impossible. Just as miracles and signs are used of God's approval or vindication, so too was the virgin birth a sign that Jesus was sent by the Father and is the Messiah. Do you know him? So we see the problem of Mary was resolved by the power of God. And I want to say this. Your problem may not be that large, but God's power is still in charge. And so there's nothing impossible for God. And that is one major lesson. It's not the only lesson the virgin birth teaches us. Now, I'm not saying that it is. But it is a major lesson that the virgin birth teaches us. And so we see the problem. It's been resolved by the power. And so we come to the conclusion of our story. The proof. The proof. How do we know the problem's been resolved? Look at verse 36. The Bible says this. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Nothing with God will be impossible. So we have a double miracle at play. God causes a virgin to conceive, and then as proof of that, he causes a woman who is biologically barren, but also, don't miss this, biologically past the point of child, uh, of the capacity to have a child. Not only did she have an issue that made her barren her whole life, but she was also too old. And yet Gabriel, as if to say, Mary, you want the proof? Elizabeth's six months pregnant. If God can do that, he can do this. Oh, I'm glad our God doesn't lead us to put our faith in things that cannot be proven. He gives us proof. It's all around us. It's in the word of God. It's in nature. It's in his character. And so he gives Mary the proof. And then Mary rejoices, rejoices, and says, Behold, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Hence a double miracle. A woman who could not get pregnant, for she was too old, but also barren, got pregnant. And a virgin, need I say more, got pregnant. All of this is summarized in verse 37 of our text, what I call the key verse. For with God, nothing will be impossible. The proof, he did it. I mean, that is the best proof one can give. If you claim to be able to do something and then you do it, you've proven it. And that is what he did. In the historical account of Jesus' birth announcement, Luke, noting every detail, relates to us that with God, nothing will be impossible. We noted several scenes, didn't we? Scene one, the personality introduced us to our characters. Scene two, the proclamation revealed that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Scene three, the problem, virgins can't have babies. And scene four, the proof, God's power caused her to have a baby as well as her cousin Elizabeth. So whatever problem we may face in life, let this historical fact of the account of the birth announcement of Christ remind you that with God, nothing will be impossible. Thank you and keep studying the book of Luke.